Today's episode is brought to you by Finwick Fields, your one-stop shop for artist-illustrated prints and vibrant solid linens. HSDT is happy to introduce you to Annie Stoll and Emily Johnson, the co-founders of this Dallas-based linens company. The women met through their young daughters and quickly recognized their shared passion for interior design and creating beautiful tablescapes. Both ladies had previous experience that prepared them for the entrepreneurial road ahead, and in September of 2020, the friends launched Finwick Fields. Named after their firstborn sons, Finwick Fields' products are designed and sewn by hand in Dallas. They believe strongly in domestically made products and utilizing ethical manufacturing practices. They are inspired by other female artisans and entrepreneurs and have collaborated with many talented women in their first year, including previous HSDT guest Catalina Gonzalez of Dontolo. Annie and Emily desire to create a tabletop line that is heirloom quality at a comfortable price point. They hope their pieces encourage customers to make what could seem to be a mundane moment into a memorable one simply by setting the table. Learn more about today's sponsor, Finwick Fields, at finwickfields.com and at finwickfields on Instagram. You're going to love what you see. Hi everyone, I am Emily Landers and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone, welcome to another very special episode of the podcast. I'm so happy that you're joining us. Today's episode is monumental for a couple of reasons. One of them, and the first being, this is our 70th episode. And I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty monumental number. We're getting on up there a year and a half of the podcast, and it just continues to get better and better. And if you tie in today's guest, Alex Snodgrass of The Defined Dish, well, you know it's going to be a great day. I am so excited about this episode. This is one of our most requested guests. And Alex, right off the bat, I did just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining me. I know you've shared your story on many different outlets, and I so appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Simply the best. Well, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want to invite you to head over to our archives. Go check out some of our previous episodes. We have had some amazing guests on, many within the Texas female founder space, as well as ladies who are out here with me in Los Angeles. And we've even had some international guests and our fall lineup is going to continue to reflect that. uh, And it's just so much fun to see. You'll hear in our conversation, Alex and I actually chat about a few women who've been on. So if you catch those, be sure to check out their episodes as well. You can see the whole lineup over on iTunes, or you can head over to How'd She Do That podcast on Instagram or my personal account at Emily Landers, and you'll be able to get a better feel of our incredible guests. Well, as I mentioned, Alex is one of our most requested guests. I think when we had five episodes out, you guys were saying, 
We've got to have Alex. Alex from The Defined Dish has got to come on. So I'm just so grateful that today I get to share this really special and really fun conversation with her. So without further ado, here is Alex Snodgrass on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Alex Snodgrass, is a mother, author, foodie, New York Times best-selling author and founder of The Defined Dish. Alex grew up in the small town of Salina, Texas, went on to TCU, and now lives in Dallas. In 2015, Alex finished her first round of Whole30 and became a huge advocate of the Whole30 program. It completely changed her relationship with food, and you'll find most of her recipes are Whole30 paleo compliant. For Alex, food is more than just what fuels your body. Food brings joy into our lives because with food, we make friends, we share special memories with our loved ones, and we count our many blessings. What began as a passion project has now turned into a cooking empire with media outlets like the Today Show, USA Today, Texas Monthly, and many more eager to share Alex's recipes and books. When Alex isn't shooting a new cookbook, creating new recipes, or sharing her time with women like myself, she is likely spending time with her family, which includes her husband and two adorable daughters. Alex, welcome to How'd She Do That? Oh, thank you, Emily. You're so sweet. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I told you this before we started recording, but you are probably my number one most requested guest. Well, I am so delighted and honored that your community would love to hear from me. <laughs> well, we would, and I'm so eager to to dive in. I know different pieces of the puzzle of all that is your career, but my hope is for those of you who, and I don't know how, unless you're living under a rock, I'm not totally sure how you wouldn't at least know a little bit about Alex and the Defined Dish, but my hope is just to dive in. And again, I'm just so excited that you're here today, but how about you take us back? I shared a little bit in the intro, a little bit about you, but perhaps share a little bit more with us about that post-grad season of life. Perhaps again, where did you go to school and what did you major in? Yes. So I went to school at Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, go frogs. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, it's kind of funny. My I was a history major and political science minor. And, you know, to be honest, it was just kind of one of those majors that I picked because I enjoyed history class. I found it to be a subject that I could excel in and not fail, but also <laughs> still live my college social life and um, get through college with a degree, to be very frank. People <laughs> are like, why history? I'm like, you know, I'm not really sure. I, for like a minute there, piddled with the, with the thought of uh, potentially going to law school, but that went down the drain. And um, <laughs> post-grad life, I moved to Austin, Austin, and this was such a fun experience. I worked at the Capitol for a session, oh. which is just like a short little stint there. And so that was a really fun experience. And then I went on to work for um, this group in Austin that kind of specialized in public affairs and events in the Austin area. 
Oh, wow. So what at that point in time, because again, for those of you who are listening and you know Alex's story now, hearing that you are a history major is really fun. (laughs) Very random for me. (laughs) Yes. Trying to connect the dots. like, But you know what, though? It's such an encouragement for those of you who are listening you know, majors matter to a degree, right? So I love that that we're able to hear that about you. What was it though, post-grad, you, you moved to Austin and you're stepping into, gosh, policies and different things like that. What at that time did you think your future career held? So at that time, to be honest, I was still really unsure. I was still really young and I was, I felt to be quite frank, a little lost, but I yeah. loved living in Austin and um, I was having fun and I was making just enough to skate by. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of just like, you know, at what point am I going to like figure out what's next here? What's the next move? And that's whenever I found out that I was expecting, oh. um, which was definitely not something I was expecting. <laughs> so that really was a huge turning point for me um, because before that I was just kind of like, there was a big question mark over my head of like, what am I really doing with my life and what's next? And I kind of always thought that once that stint was over and it was kind of like maxed out, which, and I, and I was done with it, I would move back to the DFW area and and work for my dad. He's in the real estate uh, business. And that's just what, all my, my, my aunts do it, my uncles, my, my dad. And so it's just something that I was born and raised in. And my mom works for my dad and they run a family business. So I was kind of like, that's what I'll end up doing, but I'm going to prolong it for as long as possible. So <laughs> then I found out I was expecting, I moved back to DFW. I got my real estate license. Like I thought, um, I had my first, I went to work with my dad for a hot minute mm-hmm. and that's really when I started to struggle with anxiety and postpartum Mm -hmm. for the first time. I'd never really had anxiety before. So it was definitely something that was a big struggle for me. And I just found myself more than ever lost again. Like what am I doing with my life? Like what, Mm -hmm. what really uh, makes me happy and how can I take care of myself and my mental health? Um, And I've always loved to cook. So Mm -hmm. That was my, at the end of the day, that was the one thing that really bought, brought me joy. And, you know, on the weekends, having our friends over, even before I had Sutton and before oh. any of this, like in college, I was always cooking for my roommates. Like cooking was always that thing that made me really happy. Yeah. So that's really kind of all I knew at that time, but it didn't really occur to me that I could do what I'm doing now (laughs) until, um, my sister Madison, she had an Instagram account. Again, this is like really in the premature years of blogs and Instagram, Instagram, especially blogs have been around for a little bit, but she, um, was a personal fitness instructor and she had started an Instagram account to kind of help, you know, drive traffic and, um, find new clients and I was always cooking and she and I had kind of talked together. She's like, I want to do a website, have like a more formal spot. Uh, and we thought it'd be fun to join forces and have a food and fitness blog. We named it the Define Dish oh. and we started the Define Dish together originally <laughs> um, back in 2014. <laughs> oh my gosh, back in 2014. So what did, and, and this is fun, It was did you say it was Instagram or it was Instagram and a blog? 
so we start, so Madison was kind of doing just an Instagram account at that time. And I can't, I think I can't remember what it was called. It was just probably like her, her name. Um, <laughs> but when we, when she wanted to start a website, we started a website and Instagram together called okay. the Defined Dish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so fun too, to think about this sister endeavor and, and thinking, okay, yo, and, and now tell me this, are you doing, she is doing all of her personal training elements at that point. Are you doing real estate? You're a young mom and you're kind of dabbling in real estate or, or there was another full-time role at this point as well. You know, so I was dabbling in real estate Okay, yeah. and then this was like just a little side, side hobby. Oh my gosh. So, um, it was kind of like a, what am I doing with my life? But this is really fun. And I just like fell in love with sharing recipes and having a blog, even though it was like, so done very, very poorly. <laughs> I need to send some imagery from our first blogging photos. And yes. like, we were really trying, but like, it's a learning curve to really a know how to take pretty pictures of food, be, be able to write recipes in a way that people can follow them yeah. and make them succinct and um, foolproof. That's taken me uh, some, some learning as well. And then um, just, you know, realizing, oh, to really make money doing this, it takes, you have to really go all in and um, be consistent and show up and, you know, work your butt off. So yes. that's it. we did it as a, as a half-ass hobby <laughs> for about two years. Oh, and wow. in that time, in that time, my sister had done a whole 30. She introduced it to me. I really felt better. That really helped me with my, my anxiety a lot. Mm. Um, just kind of taking care of myself and eating with ingredients that, um, were a lot cleaner and just kind of learning to read, um, labels and just being more cautious about what I was putting my body. So that really changed. And I also realized like, Oh, I'm really good at making whole 30 recipes taste like the real deal for the most part. Um, and kind of fell in love with that. Um, just kind of, it, it was a fun thing for me to do other than just cook. It was like a little, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, outlet of some <laughs> sort, or yeah, just <laughs> yeah, not an outlet, but like a challenge. It is a uh, challenge. Yes. Like, how can I? I'm really craving gumbo tonight. Like, how can I get really close to a yes. gumbo but still keep it whole thirty compliant? Because for me and my love of food, um, doing a whole thirty and just eating grilled chicken and broccoli is not an option. Right? <laughs> that that might work for about three days for me. Like, I need flavor in my face every time and to be wowed <laughs> like pretty much every meal I'm very ridiculous and so after doing it for like three or four days I was like man something's got to give I got to get creative here and I was like wow I'm really creative at making this happen I can't believe this is whole 30 compliant I think that's one of those things that people are really intimidated to do a whole 30 until you learn how to cook with those specific ingredients and you're like wait I can do so much I can still eat full delicious meals all the time. Like I don't feel deprived if you just figure out those new pantry staples to really swap and um, get used to. Oh my gosh. Well, it's amazing to think because this is really where you got niche, right? So for those two years, you're kind of doing it part-time, you know, posting on occasion, I guess. What did it look like to say, okay, the defined dish is something that I actually want to act as though it could be something. What, what did yes. it look like for that to click? What was your thought process during that season? So, you know, I started to get really excited about it. My sister and I were starting to gain a little bit of attraction, 
traction on our page. Um, We had done one Whole30 recipes takeover together, which is where you go on the Whole30 recipes account, you take over for a week and you share recipes. And we had gotten over the 10,000 mark. And I was like, this is so exciting. People are cooking our recipes finally. They're enjoying them. And so I was kind of like, this is awesome. Like, let's take it. Let's like take it to the next level. My sister was like, I kind of feel like this has really turned into a food focused thing. And she was, she's younger than me. Yeah. So she was about to get married and she was so focused on wedding planning. And she was like, you know, I, I just don't think I want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so that was that time that I kind of sat back with my husband. I was like, do I just say that was fun and just call it a day and and not do it? Or do I, do I do this and like really, really like shift gears and try to make this a business? And um, to me, it was like, I might as well try. Yes. I'm going to give it a year and like go all in um, and see if this is something that I genuinely think will turn into a business or if this, I just need to just, you know, say, oh, that was, or just keep it as a little side hobby that I post to here and there. But I was spending so much time and energy. And in the evenings, like during dinner time, I was like, you know, trying to make these <laughs> recipes and take pictures of them. And just like, it, it was kind of becoming a, like I didn't have any structure to this business. So Clayton was like, look, I think you can totally do this, but uh, I think you need to like shift it into business mode mindset rather than hobby mode mindset and really do this or else I just think like how much time and energy and money that you're spending. I mean, groceries cost a lot of money and wow. just like the upkeep of the blog, I wasn't making any money doing anything. <laughs> so it was like, I would love to like, I think, I think you should like really try to go into business mode. And I was like, agreed. Um, <sighs> and so that was really the fire. My sister leaving and me having the kind of like, all right, shift gear moment was when the defined dish became what it is today. I, I got my website rebranded, made it a, a more navigable. I feel like it needs an update now, but it's been quite a few years, <laughs> no, you know, that's just the story of the website world. Oh. Um, and then I also just like, was like, okay, every week I'm going to do three brand new recipes. So oh, that wow. way I'm more consistent on showing up and providing new content rather than just like, putting it up whenever I had an idea, you know what I mean? Yes. It was, I had some more, I had kind of set some boundaries and rules for myself on how I was going to operate it and run it to make it more successful. And that took another two years before I really, I mean, I feel like it really caught on. It was definitely the turning point for me. Yes. That moment of like, okay, am I going to, and I, while you were talking, I actually got chills. And for those of you who are listening and you know where Alex is now, I mean, one, uh, bravo Clayton to say, Alex, like you can really do this. This is something that you're good at, (laughs) but, but Hey, you need to make money because yeah, groceries specifically whole 30 groceries (laughs) can be expensive. Uh, (laughs) the time that I'm seeing this take you and, uh, yeah, the photos during dinner and whatnot, or before dinner, yeah, we need to make this a business. I, I, And I love what you just shared uh, because, gosh, I relate to this with the podcast. And I know so many of my listeners that you guys are thinking of your given entities and the different things you want to step into. And Alex, it's so encouraging to hear what you just said. You said, okay, you had to snap into business mode. And you shared a little bit of an example of like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and step in. I'm going to start doing you know, three recipes a week, and that's going to be a goal. Can you think back? What were some other things that helped you snap into business mode? I would be so curious to know 
What else did that look like? Did you follow a business plan? Were you meeting with other women? Like, what did that kind of look like for you to continue that that first year to say, this is a business and I'm going to treat it as such? Yeah. You know, I wish I had some more hot tips of like these incredible (laughs) things that I did. But honestly, for me, it was just like, how do I make this blog content look as good as the recipes are? Like, yeah food is you eat with your eyes and a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. creators make, take beautiful photos of their food. And that certainly helps gain traction. And I was just like, I had these dark dingy photos <laughs> that were not <laughs> cute. They did not look appetizing. And so I really started to watch these YouTube videos and there's a couple of like online courses that you can take for photography and food photography. So I did that. Oh, wow. um, because I, there was no way I was going to be able to afford a food photographer at the time and like, pay, pay somebody that, I mean, food photography is expensive. That was something that I really dedicated a lot of time and energy on. And I just did it from my computer at home. I mean, you really, the, the internet is a wonderful resource. Um, I didn't have to spend money on any of the courses that I did. I could have done more extreme courses that were, you know, to take it to the next level. But I was just like, I just need to get my photos to look good enough. Um, and then, you know, the more you take pictures, the better you get. Um, so it was that, and then just really being consistent, showing up. And then right around that same time when this did all happen, that was around the same time that Instagram stories came about. Mm-hmm. So I feel like on top of me turning it into a business, there was also some, uh, that was a great, that was a great medium for me to use that I was comfortable using mm-hmm. for me on my Instagram account, just like taking, a photo of myself and communicating with my audience so that they really got to know my personality was not something that I I was good at. And probably I'm still not, I've gotten better at it over the years because I've been doing it for so long, but (laughs) I just, uh, that's just not really, I'm like, I don't want to like just pose in my kitchen and be like, Hey guys, what's going on? Um, That just wasn't my, I I had a hard time um, bringing myself in, in life into my page. And so Instagram stories, was something that um, I did feel good about. I could just talk and be normal and have a conversation <laughs> with my phone screen. <laughs> really, a lot of people <laughs> sounds crazy, but you know, you're talking to people, and that was a way for I think uh, my community at the time to get to know me and the person behind the food, and and that connection, just like how your interest said, like food is so much more than just like what's on your plate. That connection, mm-hmm. I think, is what really helped me grow as well. Mm. Well, and I agree because, and I'm sure it's probably strange on your end, you know, you have these people who are like, oh, Alex, we would be friends, but that's how I feel. And I know that's how my listeners (laughs) feel. And that's because we've seen your face for so many years and and we feel a part of it all. And even so funny as you're, you're chatting, I'm thinking about you sharing some behind the scenes of previous photos that you've done. And I think I even remember at one point you went to kind of a a marble slab place and said, Hey, do you have a, any leftover marble or whatnot just for that back? backdrop. And you uh-huh. gave that tip, I believe. And I, I think yeah. I actually, I lived in Calabasas at the time and I, that day I went and found some marble. I'm like, Hey, that's a great idea. So yeah, just it even, works. yes, <laughs> it works. And just even seeing like, like you said, it gets better and even getting your photos to a place that you felt confident with them and, and good about them. I, I'm love, I'm loving all of these details, Alex. I'm curious, do you remember the first, uh, maybe the first because we're talking about it becoming a business. What did that first, I don't know if it was an ad on the blog or the first collaboration. Do you remember what that even was or, or what that looked like? 
you know, my first collaboration, I still work with them today and it makes me so happy is Roots Nutrition. It is a paleo protein powder and they approached me to start working with them. I think I just did like a one-off post with them at the time. Um, now I really like to focus on brands that I can work with long-term and, um, and do more long-term partnerships. But at the time I was like, I was, I was so excited. I probably got paid like $50. I don't even remember what it was. Um, but that was super exciting. And I still work with them today and I love working with them because it just is like, gives me the warm fuzzies that they were like the first brand that ever approached me about working together. Um, but you know, it, it took a while to get to the point where, um, my business did become like a a money-making, like successful business. I felt like it took me like another two years after the two years of hobbies, maybe, maybe another year and a half to really get to the point where I was like, okay, I, I, I understand the flow of things. Um, you know, adding ads to my website. Like I know I was like, I really don't want to do that. And I didn't do that for a while, but I had another blogger, um, that was a lot larger than me reach out to me. was like, you are, you're, you're being kind of silly about not adding them because that, is the only constant that you can yeah. create an income with yeah. doing what we do. Like basically <laughs> you're, you're a dumbass for not putting ads on your website or else you're never going to make the money that you can. So um, that was a big turning point too. And I mean, she was right. It is the only constant of my income wow. period still today. Cause otherwise the other stuff is kind of ebbs and flows um, depending on who you're working with and, and all that stuff. So, you know, there was, um, it took another year and a half, I'd say to really become successful at what I do. Um, but I was loving it. It was so fun to build the community. And just like you said, like, you know, the, the defined dish community has always lifted me up and always supported me. And that's Mm. really why I, I got my book deal. And that's why I'm here where I am now. And like, we have gone through this process together and, um, I'm so grateful for that. I mean, that the, community is always, I think the most important thing around the, the dinner table or, mm. you know, on in business and, um, the defined dish is what it is today because the community is so strong and so amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, you've, you've collected all of us. You've, you've put us all together and you've got <laughs> us here. So it's, it's just, it's really cool to look back on and think, wow, well, okay. I'm trying to do the math here. So I'm thinking back and we're going back a few years and whatnot. Would you say 2017 was really when you found your footing? And I'm so excited and eager to hear about the book deal and everything, how that came together. But do you remember a moment? I love to think back. Was there ever a moment that you were like, okay, I, I'm really on to something. You know, you guys did the takeover with Whole30 at that point, and then you were able to step into it on your own. But was there a moment, or maybe there was a message, or maybe maybe there was a collaboration, I'm not sure, that, but what was it that you thought, okay, I'm on to something, and I'm glad I made the choice to move forward because I'm on to something here? You know, again, it was Whole30 recipes um, and just oh, the wow. Whole30 community. Um, I continue to do takeovers. They kind of space us all out to where it's like every six months or once a year, you're able to come on and do that week long takeover. And after my sister left and after I did it again, which was a a while after, um, I had like great, I had such a great outcome from, I got so many new followers from it. So many more people were cooking my recipes. I went all out and I like prepared for the week for so long. And I showed up and did all these demos on stories. And I feel like that's really where a lot of people found me Yeah. um, at the time, because it's really hard 
to, you know, be seen and get reshared and for people. And it's really word of mouth yeah. um, now for me, but at the time that was huge. I mean, there was no other way that I would be able to like gain that amount of followers in a week that were going to stay around and that love my content. No <laughs> shitty loop giveaways. Don't get me started on those. But <laughs> like, this was a way that people that genuinely are interested in my content and genuinely interested in the same things as me yes. could find me and come to my page and continue to, to find my recipes. So that was just, I mean, huge. I still owe so much of my success to the Whole30 community and how they were able to um, share their platform with people like myself and so many others to share their recipes and like the way that they had that going and they still do it is um, really incredible. So that was a huge, huge thing for me to gain my audience. And that's actually how, um, so Whole30 started to do their Whole30, um, and you can stop me if I'm getting too far ahead here. No, I love it. But Whole30 started to do their um, endorsed books. And the first Uh, one was with the Whole Smiths. And then the second one was with Terry Turner of No Crumbs Left. Yes. Um, and so I had done a takeover at some point in between those two. And the literary agent who kind of helped manage that and find talent for it approached me um, about doing a Whole30 um, endorsed cookbook. And uh-huh. at that point, I was like, I would love, like my dream at this point when I started my blog and got, got yes. to where I was like really enjoying sharing the recipes. I was like, I just would, lo- I love cookbooks. I love collecting cookbooks. I was like, I would just love to have my own cookbook one day. Oh. Cause how wonderful would that be to like my kids to always have just like my recipes in a book oh. and be able to share that with others and to be in people's kitchens with them every day. Oh and so gosh. it was a really good timing. It was something that I, I was starting to ask around just with anybody that I knew that might know anything about publishing a book about how to, where do I, where do I even start? Like, how does one right. create a cookbook <laughs> and get a publisher to pick it up? Like, what's the scoop here? And so, um, she approached me at the right time. And, um, that was obviously a wonderful opportunity for me to, again, um, kind of join hands with the whole 30 community and my community and create something great. And so, um, that was a, that was a really fun turning point. I don't know what your original question was, but here we are. <laughs> Hey, I love it. No, this is exactly what I was thinking about. Like all of the different elements that you're sharing, it's so fun to hear from your voice because I've seen it. Like I've seen you do these different steps and make all of these different changes in your business over the years. And then to step into this entity of being, by the way, you guys, I don't know if you caught it. I feel like I need to say it again. In the intro, I shared a New York Times bestselling author, Alex. (laughs) So I love what you just said. It's like, yeah, I wanted a book for my kids to, you know, have. Okay, well, how about, I mean, you probably couldn't have even thought the level that that you have been able to reach with with your community. And and I want to backtrack just one second, because I've got to compliment you on this. I think it's so cool. One, I didn't realize that that Whole30 takeover was for a week, a week long takeover. Okay, guys. So um, think about the prep that Alex did for that, because that's insane. I mean, that's a week of recipes. That's a week of videos. That's a week of photos. So 
Okay, that that to me is mind blowing, and I I am now remembering. Dang, that was a week long. But one thing that you've done so well, and I love, and I just have to touch on this really quickly, is you've really taken that collaborative um, community—a word we keep using—but community approach to your page. And so I've got to even thank you. One of our guests we had Anna May Groves on at one point, oh, yeah. and, and you introduced me to her through sharing sure. her. So I, I love to, it's, it feels like just backtracking slightly that, that, that something clicked in you too there to do that collaborative effort and to give people a voice. And even now you speaking with me today, giving me a voice and sharing HSDT. I mean, so I just want to compliment you in that. I think that that's well, something you. you're I so think good it's at. so important. I think it's so important to be able to collaborate with others and you know, everyone has their own voice and it's, I never view it as like a competitive thing. It's like everyone's trying to create their own content and share, yeah. you know, their own voice. And I am so grateful for the opportunity to be able to share my voice on the whole 30 page. And yeah. so past the dish is a fun way to be able to share the people that I love to follow and that I get inspired by in a way, but also be able to share like that element and love of food that that people have like, hmm. of course, we're all sharing these fun recipes and they're exciting. But like, um, I was kind of like, how do I share that other element of food of like the love behind food of like something that you create at the table for your family and like, or something that you grew up eating, just yes. something a little bit more sentimental. And the real like feeling that I have when I cook, like, how could I portray that a little bit more and show that experience? And I think past the dishes one of the ways that really um, captures that, um, or at least I hope it does. That's what, what yes. my intention is behind it. And it is, oh. it's for people to share that dish that they're excited to share with others and that they, you know, serve their family or on special occasions, whatever it may be. Um, and having that story behind that meal. And I think that is what I'm, I'm trying to get across. It's just sometimes hard on the blog to get that sentiment across or in a book and really like put that into words. So being able to a share my platform with others mm -hmm. and people that inspire me is, you know, obviously a huge part of it, but also just being able to share that element of love um, and food and history and culture with food as well. Oh, well, I think it all comes off amazing. I, I love it. And the name Pass the Dish is so yes. cute. Like, <laughs> you can even... use dish in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Uh, and you know what? You can't even overdo it. It's just too cute. Well, oh, it'll um, always be around. <laughs> it will always be around. Well, it's it's just, it's so fun. And I did want to touch on that because that is truly something that you're so good at. But, but, but tell us. So tell us this. What year is it time for the book? What what year are you approached and what did that season look like that you're diving in, you're getting your recipes set up? I know you're doing amazing uh, photos. You're getting all of this lined up. What year was that? And maybe tell us a, a few of your favorite things about that process. Yeah. So um, I got approached, I want to say in 2018. I'm okay, like yeah. a little bit sketchy on my timeline here, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it was 2018. And it took about a year to create the book. And then they, you know, published it in December of 2019. But yes. really, I went on my book tour at the beginning of 2020 oh. before all hell broke loose. Yes. Um, but that was kind of the timeline. It was like 2018, I got approached, created the cookbook. It got published in 2019 at the end of the year. And then, um, and then the book tour happened. And then I got home and then... Um, I got approached very quickly afterwards about book two. Yes. 
that's what's kind of ha- that's kind of how it rolls from what I've realized like if your book is successful like they're like ready to pounce on the next one and I I oh. kind of feel like I might have you know dove in head first a little too quickly afterwards but I'm also <laughs> really glad that I did because it takes two years to make a book come to life and I yeah. know that the defined dish community be ready in two years for it so it's kind of like all right let's get going on the next one so that in two years, it's on the shelves. So um, even though it was a, a little bit of a brain buster there for a minute, <laughs> um, once I got in the sink of things and like really figured out like what the intention was behind this, behind the second one and how to create it different than the first one, but still be true to me, um, it was kind of a fun little, a, a fun new, just like how we had talked about like that shift. I feel like I'm in a time of like a good shift in my business to where mm-hmm. I've shifted a lot of stuff over the last year, I think for a lot of reasons, COVID included, but just a lot of different things that I realized like, this is important. This isn't, how mm-hmm. can I run my business in a more efficient way? Um, and what do I, what recipes do I want to share moving forward? Because mm-hmm. the whole 30 is a 30 day program. Yeah. And then you learn your own food freedom and your food freedom evolves. And my, the way that I eat at home, um, always is constantly evolving. So I feel like this next book really captures how I genuinely am eating right now. And, um, so that was kind of fun to do. Oh my gosh. Now, when is book two coming out? In December. Okay, in December. Oh my goodness, so fun. So fun to think of that December 2019. And then, of course, the second book, The Comfortable Kitchen, which looks amazing, is coming out in December. Well, this will be awesome timing. You guys will have to continue to stay tuned. If you don't have the first book, The Defined Dish, definitely be on the lookout. Um, You should see my twin sister's uh, copy. It is insane. She uses that thing all the time. (laughs) All the time. So the it's beat up. It's very, you know, honestly, I should get her a new one because the first one is beat up. Oh my gosh. But it's so fun to think of. I mean, the inspiration just coming from from you and from you being able to step in and figuring out, okay, how can I share these recipes in the best way possible? You said earlier, people eat with their eyes. And so you've got to think about photography. You've got to think about all these different things. What do you think would surprise my listeners the most about creating a cookbook? Oh my gosh, the whole thing is crazy. So basically, <laughs> the way that the timeline works in a nutshell is you work on getting the book deal established and right. all the legalities of it. And then you go into like a dark phase of where you don't really talk to your editor and you're just <laughs> working on develop recipe, recipe oh, development. Wow. And so that takes, depending on what your timeline is, six to nine months. Um, I had six months to do the second one. And so then after that process, you go straight into shooting the cookbook. And that is so chaotic, but so fun. Um, Where the first book, it was just myself and the photographer. I styled the food myself, which means you have two weeks to cook 100 recipes because I I have a photo for every recipe. Oh, Um, my God. You are cooking all the food like a caterer 24 hours, but you're also styling it on the plate and and plating it. So I did it the first time myself and I realized with my second one and I had a better budget for my second one, I wanted to bring on a food stylist and potentially a prop stylist. But what I did was I, because all of it is very expensive to make (laughs) that, um, just the imagery come together is definitely the most expensive part. Yeah. And I spend that out of my own pocket from my advance for my cookbook. Um, the publishers don't pay for it. I guess they kind of do. They're paying me and then I pay them. So I get to decide what, what kind of budget that is for me. 
based off of what I get paid. So I brought on a food stylist this time. Her name is Judy Kim. She's from New York. She's so talented. Um, And then I outsourced a prop stylist to basically mail in. She pulled some props and mailed them to me where she wasn't on set and I didn't have to pay her like a rate every day as well. And so um, Judy and her assistant came in, cooked all the food. Um, Obviously, I can't stay out of the kitchen, so I was probably (laughs) driving her crazy. (laughs) So I was in there too. We all made it happen. And it was, it's so crazy because it's a lot of recipes to be shot in in a two week time frame. And you want to, you're going to, you need a break. By the end of it, you feel like you've gone to like a crazy summer camp with these people. (laughs) You're just like really bonded. Then you're like, wait, I'm not going to see you for a really long time. But we just like had two weeks straight together for all day, every day. So um, that's, that's definitely the most exciting slash stressful part of it for me, because the recipe creating part, part of it is, is a lot and it's a mess too, but it's what I do best and it's where my comfort level is. So that part of it to make it all come together is crazy. And then you go into editing, which is where I'm at right now. And we're almost done with that. Oh. And then it goes to print and then you have a book oh. <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, for those of you who are listening and you guys have Alex's book, flip through it, go flip through it as you're listening and just think of Alex because Alex, tell me if I'm wrong. Was that first book, was that shot at your home? Yep. And the second one too. And you the, know, the second too. The oh. second one I was planning on going to a studio because that's what most authors do. And I was like, I do right. not want to do this in my house again. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And it's really stressful. My whole family to have everyone <laughs> here and all the food and <laughs> the whole production of it. And so the plan was to go shoot in New York City at a studio. Wow. Um, but with all the COVID stuff going on, it was just uh, not working out. Yeah. Um, a lot of people didn't want to be a part of the job because they just didn't know what was going to happen in February. So it was kind of yeah. like, I will just do it at the safety of my home. Oh. I'll bring people in. Everyone can get tested for. We just had to create an environment where people felt um, comfortable, basically. So yeah. that was a, that was definitely an obstacle in this whole thing. Then if I do another book, if and when, <laughs> I want to do it in a studio, not my kitchen, and um, have the have it all done there to so just help take some stress off. Oh, I love it. Well, you guys, everyone should be on the lookout for the comfortable kitchen and we can all get it. And then we can all make sure that Alex has the in-studio experience because we've got to hear about <laughs> what that's like as well and take it out of the house. But but I do love, I love the inside scoop. And, and even as you've shared, you've shared and, and you're so gracious to kind of share the process with your followers and whatnot. But thinking about you and flipping through these books and just thinking, wow, this was done in your home with a small team, but straight to our hands. And that we we can then go and create these amazing, delicious meals and have our own memories with them. It's pretty cool to think about how far your hands have reached in regard to people's memories and experiences. I mean, that's one of the biggest takeaways I'm having from our conversation is just your influence into even memories and life experiences and special occasions. exactly what I want. Like that's my, that is my main goal with all this is like, you know, my, my most fond memories, especially since I grew up in a small town, are around the dinner table with my family. Yes. And I think um, our society has lost a little bit of that juju, depending on, yeah. you know, yes. our family. We're just, we're, we're going 120 miles an hour all the time. Yeah. And the dinner experience has become a moment of stress. Yeah. What am I going to cook? Um, how much time do I have? I just like, I don't want to clean the kitchen. There's all these stressors around cooking whenever really 
It should be one of the most valuable times of the day that you sit down, whether it's with yourself and your meal and your favorite TV show to just like woosaw and mm. treat yourself to something wonderful or around the dinner table with your family and say, how was your day? Yeah. Like there's just so much value in that moment of the day time that I just really hope that my books can encourage people to um, bring that joy back rather than focus on the stressors around cooking because they're, they're there and they always will be. <laughs> But um, just to remember that the joy over overshadows it all. Mm. Well, I definitely think you are succeeding in that department. I just got chills as you were talking, just thinking about it and thinking of of all that you've done. It's so cool. And it's really fun to unpack so many different areas, kind of highlighting different pieces and parts of your career. But I know my listeners would be curious, are there any instances, um, perhaps throughout your career, uh, the cookbook, et cetera, that maybe you'd say failure helped shape it? Um, I would say as far as like failure goes, I feel like I'd never like have had a moment where I'm just like, this is, this is a huge, huge fail. But yeah, I think, um, definitely like putting up recipes and not having the proper graphics and, and the imagery to go with it and being like, why are people making my recipes? That was hmm. obviously a learning curve, but also just, um, you know, with the partnerships that I've done and, you know, I've worked with so many great brands that I love and adore but then there's some that I'm like, okay, I might love and adore this one, but does me talking about it really resonate with my audience? And does it resonate with me? Is it making me excited to go tell them about this? Like, mm. and so I kind of went through um, like a clean out yes. <laughs> back in the fall where I was just like, you know, respectfully, I love your product, but it's just not feeling like it's resonating with me to talk about it. Um, on my page anymore. And I hope you understand. I'm just kind of shifting gears. Um, So that was a really big turning point. And I also was, um, I had signed with a really big talent agency that was wonderful, but it just wasn't for me. Mm. I just felt like I was giving away too much of my business. And I just felt like I didn't have as much control over like who I was talking to and the brands that I work with. And I didn't have that like kind of small wow. intimate experience with them anymore. Yeah. So that was a, a turning point as well of um, saying goodbye to them. And um, the legalities of dealing with that was a little tricky, but it yeah. was definitely, I think for the best for my brand. So there was that aspect as well. Um, that was a big turning point. It wasn't a failure. It was just one of those things that I did that just wasn't a good fit for me. And for others, it's a great fit. And that's where they thrive and they want that. It was just like, I felt like I didn't have that down home feeling anymore with my page. And it was just starting to become more of like a a chore rather than a treat. And when I started my blog, I always promised myself I would never learn to not love or never stop love cooking. And Mm. I was kind of getting to the point where I was like in the kitchen, like, pushing to get something out. And I was like, this isn't, this isn't where I'm supposed to be right now. I need to take five steps back and then figure out moving forward, how to continue to love creating content for my audience. Like I always have and not get to that point where I'm just cranking things out to just be in the business of it all. Right. Um, while also still running a, a successful business, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a fine line. And I think all businesses have growing pains and I've definitely gone through one over the last year and a half. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say it's a failure, but it was also a big um, turning point for me in realizing what makes my heart happy and my heart sing and how I operate my business and shifting gears to operating it in a sense that 
made made it made more sense to me and made me feel better. Oh, I'm just taking in everything you're saying. And I know that you guys who are listening, you're doing the same. How cool is it? To, because as I'm speaking with you, Alex, I, I'm thinking of the the early years and, and it's been so fun to go all the way back even to your time at TCU and post-grad. But then now talking to you, I'm like, okay, I'm definitely talking to a, 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 a someone who's driving a cooking empire. I, I said that in the beginning <laughs> in the bio, but for you, I mean, I'm like, wow, this is a businesswoman. And it sounds like you're able to really follow your gut and and take those gut instincts into play and move forward and pivot. Pivot is kind of a word that's coming to mind and and move for things sure. forward. So yes. it's just ugh, all, all pivot of it is a great word. I yes. think for any business that you're in, being able to like kind of stop and take a deep breath and look at things from a bird's eye view whenever you have that off feeling with things and being like, how can I structure this in a, in a way that feels more authentic to me? And just mm-hmm. being able to do that, even whenever it might not be the way that other people do it, that you look up to. Like I, one of my most favorite bloggers that I have conversations with all the time and really turn to her for advice. Yeah. She, she operates very differently than I do. And wow, I yeah. love following her, but that's just what works for her and the way that her, you know, that's just how she likes to run her business. And, um, that's her personality type. And I think for me, I was like, I gotta, I gotta rein it back and do it a little bit differently because I'm feeling overwhelmed and disconnected, uh, I guess. So, you know, everybody's different. Uh, well, very, very well said. I I would have, I would have to say very well said. Now I I know that you always have tons of fun things coming up, but I'd love to know, and I'm sure my listeners would love to, to hear a little more insight into this as well. What is it that you are learning now? Oh man, um, I feel like I'm learning so much new every day. I'm actually working on something that I'm not really sure if I can say it yet, but I am doing it by myself. So I guess it, the decision's mine. But um, I am trying to start my own product line right now oh, um, from gosh. the ground up, not like any collaborations with oh. brands that already exist. Like I, I want to create my own product line. And so that has been a huge learning curve that's been frustrating and exciting and trying to get things the way that I want it um, has been, you know, a little bit because, you know, the way that recipes translate into shelf stable items are, yes. are is really tricky. And I, I'm learning that. Um, but yeah, my husband and I, and we found one partner to do it with us. We're putting our own money into starting my own brand. Uh-huh. And, um, so I haven't mentioned that at all because uh-huh. I don't, I don't know when it's going to be done. And I, yeah. I'm still, you know, hopefully sooner than later, but I, I always hate to over, it's it's hard not to tease people way, way hard in advance for the things that I work on because they take a lot of time. Right. And so um, I, it's torture. I basically have a business where I torture my audience. And so here's a here's another torturous thing to tell you all is I'm working on a product line, but it, it will be out hopefully sooner than later. Oh. But that has been very challenging and totally new, but I'm really excited to kind of, again, shift gears to where... Um, I can create products that make the, you know, time in the kitchen, you know, maybe a little bit more faster where you don't have to make the sauce or the spice mixture um, to where people can cook my recipes and maybe have one element that helps it get on the table a little bit faster. So hopefully um, we'll get there with time, Uh, but lots of learning right uh, now. Let me tell you, like (laughs) last night I was like waking up, I woke up probably four times worrying about this new <laughs> endeavor because it's again a new realm for me that I have 
no clue what I'm doing. Oh so, my God. We'll, see. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I mean, first and foremost, I want to be your cheerleader and the voice of everyone listening. Go, Alex, go. We are excited. This <laughs> is so exciting. And I love, we love hearing about the behind the scenes. I mean, that's kind of the whole thought behind how did you do this? How did she do that? And I love that there's different entities, even you're sharing coming up in your career that you're like, stay tuned. I'm figuring it out right now. <laughs> yeah. The things are going down behind the scenes that I am learning as I go for oh sure. But I'm really excited about that because I, I definitely want to be able to kind of shift gears with the defined dish. And, you know, I, I look at it because social media is such a world, weird world. Yeah. And I look at it and I'm like, you know, I don't want to ever stop what I'm doing, but I also want to be able to um, you know, grow with myself and what I do. And I don't, I don't foresee myself being a quote unquote influencer forever, but that has been a great way for me to build my business so that I can't create these other opportunities for myself. Wow. But it's like, how do I again, pivot and shift gears to be able to make that, um, something stable to where I can do less influencing and be able to share recipes without, you know, so much ad content, um, which everyone's very supportive of. And I appreciate that because it is is the only way I can support my finances. But um, that's definitely a goal of mine is to really start to make that pivot next. And that's, that's, I feel like, I I feel like you're going to ask the question, what's next for you is that's my next pivot that I'm going to work on. I think it's going to be a slow pivot because I don't think it's going to just happen overnight, but um, I'm going to work hard on making it, making that bit happen. Oh my gosh. Well, we're excited. We're ready to see it all. We're pumped for you. I'm excited for you. It sounds like you're well on your way to the right direction and whatnot. Well, Alex, this has been amazing. I, I was so excited about this conversation. I knew you'd blow me away. Of course you've done so. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Um, I think we covered it all and then some, and I'm super excited about the conversation we had. I just shared so much and I feel great. I like oh. had a great therapy session with you. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm truly so grateful to you. I, I know that you have all kinds of things going on throughout your day. So again, I, I'm so grateful. And, and I love to, um, many of my guests have actually recommended you to, to come on. So to have you on today, I'm thrilled. I, I would be curious, uh, who do you know that you think should maybe come on and share their HSDT story? You know, there's one um, company that comes to mind. It's the CBD company that I work with. They're based here in Dallas, Thrive Organics. And the two women that started it are so interesting. And they have a really interesting story about how they got into the CBD world and um, some really cool facts and just really interesting ladies that I think that you would enjoy having a conversation with. Oh. So I think you should reach out to Christy and Stacy over at Thrive Organics because they have a really interesting story that I love. Awesome. Well, you all will have to be on the lookout for a potential episode with Thrive Organics. Thank you so much for the recommendation, Alex. Of course. And I know I have been teasing this. Many of you, I would think most of you probably already follow Alex. You're familiar with her, but Alex, where can listeners connect? with you they can connect with me um on instagram at the defined dish on pretty much every social media platform that i might be on <laughs> would be at the defined dish and then my blog is thedefineddish.com. so very easy to find me <laughs> <laughs> awesome well alex thank you again for your time today this has been such a treat and i can't wait to share thank you all for listening to today's episode of how'd she do that 
I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers or the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We want to extend a very special thank you to our sponsors, Finwick Fields, for today's episode. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.